What's up, everybody? Episode 101 of the High on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and we got a great show lined up for you today, folks. On today's episode, the world's biggest video game convention is back. After a year off, yes, we're talking about E3. We're going to preview some of the stuff that are showcased for this event and make some predictions of what might happen here. Then we're going to talk about the second round playoff matchups in the NBA. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, yes, episode 101 of the Holland Infinity Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob Knight. First time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another fantastic episode. And like always, like us on the socials, like us on Facebook at High on Infinity Podcast, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at High Infinity Potter, follow me, the host, on my personal accounts, Twitter and Instagram at SoYamAsian. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, please leave your boy a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. So hope everybody's doing good, you know, having a great week, you know, rather than work, school, or in life in general. Back at it again after a week off, a week a much-needed rest, you know, you don't want to burn yourself out creatively. So just chilled out the past couple weeks, went to the movies. I saw A Quiet Place Part 2 a couple weeks ago. To me, it was good for the most part, you know, kind of turned into like The Last of Us, like halfway through the movie. But I didn't have a problem with that. You know, this movie kind of like pushed the story forward. So I won't be surprised if there's a Part 3 uh, to this film. But it feels good being back in movie theaters again. I like catching earlier movies now since I'm older because, you know, you go to the movies early and when you leave the theater, you still have the rest of your day ahead of you. So next time I'm at the movies, probably going to be to see the new Fast and Furious movie later on this month. And I know a lot of people don't like the Fast and Furious movies, but I said it plenty of times on the podcast. I personally enjoy the Fast and Furious movies. I have my reasons, but you all don't have to worry about that. Because I will not talk about it on the podcast after I see it. You know, I won't waste your time with that. So, yeah. Of course, you know, last episode was our 100th episode. A big podcast milestone, if I do say so myself. Once again, thank you for all the support you showed the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. And we're going to continue to strive and improve on things as we go along with the podcast. As you can see, got a new logo. Thanks to my guy, Micah, for making it a new logo like he does with all my logos. Got some new intro music, so I don't have to use the stock music that Anchor has, uh, you know, they let us use. But I got some more plans for the podcast after reaching 100 episodes. I like to have a few more guests on the podcast. I have a few in mind, but me, you know, being lazy and procrastinating, I've yet to reach out to those people. And I like to start back up, you know, over this summer. But there's some things I want to do for my actual job first. And depending on how things go with that, I may have to delay me trying to get guests on the podcast. Also, since movie theaters opening back up, we'll have more movie reactions on the podcast. So expect that with all the Marvel movies coming out later this year and other stuff that piqued my interest that I might want to see throughout the rest of this year. But this time when I react to movies on the podcast, I will do those a little differently. I'm going to do those like I did with Invincible a few episodes ago. First part will be like a general reaction to the movie, you know, spoiler free stuff. 
Then the second part of it will be, you know, more in-depth talk about the movie and, of course, spoilers and all that. So those are just a couple of things I got planned for the podcast in the future. But moving on to what we're talking about today, video games. So the biggest video game conference of the year is back. E3 makes its return this weekend after a year off. I think E3 stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo. I think, maybe I check on that after I record it. But yeah, I think it stands for that Electronic Entertainment Expo. Takes place from June 12th to June 15th. Of course, there was no E3 last year because of COVID. And I think that that was the first time that the event has ever been canceled. But they're back after this year with an all-digital event. And I looked online to see what's going to be announced for this event. So we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that's going to be featured at this event and some stuff I would like to personally see get announced at E3. So let's dive into things. First, we're going to go over a couple of games we know that's not going to get announced at E3, but it will be nice if they do. First up, Grand Theft Auto 6. There's so many questions surrounding this damn game, like when it's going to come out, have they even begun working on it, and where will the game take place? The only rumor I heard online is that this game is going back to Vice City, which I don't mind it because GTA Vice City is one of my favorite Grand Theft Auto games, but as of now, no news yet on Grand Theft Auto 6, so we're stuck playing Grand Theft Auto 5. And another game that probably won't get announced at E3 is a new Bioshock game. The last Bioshock game was Bioshock Infinite, the game I ranked as the best video game I ever played personally. And the game came out in 2013. And the latest rumor about a new Bioshock game was way back in 2019. And we have heard nothing since. But whenever we do get a new Bioshock game announced, I'm wondering what direction will it go. We've been underwater in Rapture, in the skies of Columbia, so maybe... <laughs> This game will take place like on a regular dry land, but who knows? But moving on now, some other games that's going to be showcased at E3. EA is going to be there. Of course, they make the Madden games, so expect that game to be showcased. Also, they announced the return of the NCAA football game earlier this year, so they may just talk about that for a brief second, but I think they said in 2022 is when those games are going to come back out. But the big talking point in their showcase will definitely be Battlefield 6. And the Battlefield series, to me is like an acquired taste for some people. I know a few years ago, before your Fortnites, your Apex Legends, your Overwatches, your Valorant, and you know other first-person first shooter games, your top three shooter games were Halo, Call of Duty, and Battlefield. For most people, the top two are interchangeable, but Battlefield usually fell in the last place. I was like that too a few years ago until I played it. My brother bought me, I think he bought me Battlefield 4 for like my birthday or Christmas or something like that. I played it, and I enjoyed it a lot. And after that, I got Battlefield 1 that came out a couple years later, and I enjoyed that game as well. And to me, it takes more skill to play Battlefield than Call of Duty. Not saying that playing Battlefield is more fun than Call of Duty, because, you know, Battlefield feels more realistic. Like, you could feel the recoil in your gun after you put an attachment on your weapon when you play Battlefield. And Battlefield been having, like, tanks, planes, and driving cars way before Call of Duty, who just added it, what? Two, three years ago, like to me, switching from Battlefield to Call of Duty is a lot easier, you know, than vice versa. Like, play one hour Battlefield and then switch to Call of Duty. I promise you, you'll feel like damn Kevin Durant out there. The kills will be coming so easily. But let's talk more about Battlefield 6. From the teaser trailer I watched, it looks like they're going to stay in the modern times because if I'm correct, the previous two games, Battlefield, I think Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5, 
were based in World War One. So in this game, I expect the usual battlefield stuff, big ass maps for big team battles. The game is known for. And the last battlefield game came back out in 2018, but I expect them to feature a campaign mission and some multiplayer gameplay of Battlefield 6 in their showcase and also a release date probably I would guess later on this year around that October November range usually around the same time a new Call of Duty game comes out and another game I would like to see announced at this EA showcase is a new Star Wars game mainly the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order that game came out I think in 2019 and I enjoyed that game a lot I really liked that game when I played it and I'm a novice when it comes to the Star Wars franchise in general. And a sequel was announced for that game sometime last year, but that was pre-pandemic. So it may have gotten pushed back. So I wouldn't expect it you know, to be announced or talked about at this year's event. But it would be nice if they did. Other games that we showcased at E3, Far Cry is going to be there. Far Cry 6 is set to come out later this year in October. This will be the first game in the main series since Far Cry 5 back in 2018, a game I actually bought and played a little. I liked it for a while, but I got sidetracked and never picked the game up again. But that was my first time ever playing any game in the Far Cry series and other games I'd like to see at E3. One is Call of Duty. It's about that time of year where they unveiled a new Call of Duty game. This time it's Sledgehammer's turn to develop the game and Call of Duty have a three studio rotation when it comes to making the Call of Duty games. You have Infinity Ward, they make the Modern Warfare games. This is the studio I prefer when it comes to Call of Duty games. I thought the Modern Warfare trilogy was great, and the prequel game that came out in 2019 was good too. Then you have Treyarch, they make the Black Ops games. And this is the more popular series, I think, because of course the Zombies mode. Also, this was the first series to have a Battle Royale mode in Blackout that they had in Black Ops 4. Then you have Sledgehammer. They make what I call the miscellaneous Call of Duty games. They made Advanced Warfare and Call of Duty World War II. Two games I did not buy and judging by the history, more than likely I won't get this game, but we'll see what direction they take and go from there. Next game I like to see announced at E3, or we see at E3, is Overwatch 2. From what I'm reading, they will not be at E3, but a man can dream, can he? Because a couple weeks ago, they unveiled gameplay of Overwatch 2, and the game looked fantastic, as expected. The first game is one of the best games I ever played. The multiplayer was addictive, and the story they built was great too, even though they didn't have a traditional story mode in the first Overwatch. But they did do some excellent world building and short videos that they put on YouTube, but Overwatch 2 will have a story mode along with the fantastic multiplayer and hopefully we'll see a release date for this game soon if they are not at E3. But now let's move on to the heavy hitters in the video game world. When it comes to consoles in the video game world, you have the big three, Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation. The Google Stadia, I think I pronounced that right, try to throw his name in there and make it a big four, but I haven't heard much from the Google Stadia since its release. So still, it's a big three. First, we'll start off with Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch have been getting rave reviews since its release over four years ago, and have been won one for a minute now. But when it comes to games on Nintendo, when it comes to its first party games, and first party games are games that are exclusively 
for that system only. In Nintendo's case, those games are like Mario, Legend of Zelda, and Pokemon. But when it comes to the first party games, they knock it out of the park. No problems there. But in my opinion, they struggle with third party games. And third party games are games available on all systems like Call of Duty and Madden. Usually, those type of games sell better on PlayStation and Xbox. So they just stick to their strong first party games. So what to expect from Nintendo at this year's E3? Well, according to IGN's website, they're bringing out the heavy hitters. They got a new Metroid Prime game ready for us, Metroid Prime 4. And you know, I'm familiar with Metroid Prime. If you play the Smash Brothers games and you pick the character Samus, she's the main character in the Metroid Prime series. Also, they got new Pokemon games on the way, the Gen 4 remakes, both Diamond and Pearl. Real popular games when they came out over, I think, I want to say we're 15 years ago, and those remakes are set to come out later this year. And a couple other things that are on the rumor mill for Nintendo. It's on the rumor mill that Nintendo will unveil a new handheld system. They said more than likely it will be the Nintendo Switch Pro. If that's the case, I'll just hold off on buying a Switch until then. Also on the rumor mill is a new Legend of Zelda game. More than likely a sequel to Breath of the Wild, which came out in 2017, I think. I think that was a launch title, too, for the Nintendo Switch. And for those of you who know, Legend of Zelda is like a cornerstone franchise, not just for Nintendo, but in all video games. I would personally like to see a new Mario game get announced as well. I've been wanting Super Mario Galaxy 3 for a very long time now. And that Mario series doesn't get the love it deserves, but this is all they have for Nintendo so far. We'll see what they bring to the table over this upcoming weekend. Looks like they got a great lineup for us. To me, Nintendo has definitely <laughs> turned a corner since the dark days of the Wii U. So next, let's dive more into Xbox. Microsoft is doing it big with both the Xbox and the Bethesda showcase and Bethesda is the studio that makes the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout games and it's rumored that they may reveal Elder Scrolls 6. To be honest, I don't know damn thing about no damn Elder Scrolls. I just mentioned that because you can't talk Bethesda without mentioning Elder Scrolls. They go hand in hand, kind of like what peanut butter and jelly, chicken and waffles, blue cheese and hot wings. Yes, I said what I said, but Bethesda got another game that I'm very interested in, and that game is Deathloop. I talked about Deathloop a couple times on this podcast, mostly around the reveal of the PlayStation 5, and I said that was a game I'm definitely going to buy because they will show more gameplay of it at E3. And it's strange because they're showing this game at an Xbox showcase when the game is not even on Xbox. It's going to be on PS5 and PC. But anyways, Deathloop is a game I've been wanting to see. Kind of has like that Bioshock vibe in my opinion. And a quick premise to the game, basically you're an assassin stuck in a time loop. And the only way to break that time loop is to kill eight people in one night. But on the flip side, at the same time, another assassin is sent to kill you. And if they kill you, you have to start over. And I'm curious about how that premise will work in this game. Like, if you get killed, do you have to start all the way over from the beginning or just you start over from your last checkpoint? Mainly, I just want to see how that plays out. But after multiple delays, Deathloop is set to come out this September. Now onto a game that's actually going to come out on Xbox, and that's Halo Infinite. This game was originally supposed to come out last year as a launch title for the new Xbox, but it got delayed for COVID purposes, if I remember correctly. We did see some of the Halo Infinite gameplay towards the end of last year. I think I covered it on the podcast. And from what I saw, it looked interesting. Some people were criticizing it because it didn't look polished. 
like it didn't bother me because I know what we saw wasn't going to be the final product. But I do like the approach they're taking with this new Halo game. I think it's going to be open world where the player get to choose what missions they want to do in what order. I think that's interesting. It's good to switch things up, especially with a series that has as many games as the Halo series. Also, because it's Halo, you know the multiplayer is going to be A1. And I'm curious to see will Halo join the Battle Royale craze because Halo 5 came out way back in 2015, which was like two or three years before the Battle Royale craze began. But I wonder, you know, will they have that in there? I wouldn't be surprised if they did. To be honest, I'm not that crazy about the whole Battle Royale thing. I like my traditional multiplayer where there's squad versus squad, and if you get killed, you respawn like three seconds later. Because the multiplayer, usually I start off slow, then I build up as the game go on. Like I may start off two and five, then once I get into the groove of things, I finish like 12 and seven or something like that. And in Battle Royale, you know, once you die, you're done. But when they do show gameplay of Halo Infinite, I do expect to see like a little bit of the campaign and a little bit of the multiplayer too. Also, I expect the game to be more polished as well since the game is being delayed because I assume that Halo will be coming out later on this year, but who knows? So now let's move on to PlayStation. Just in case you're wondering, no, I still don't have a PlayStation, but I'm still trying, damn it. But that's not going to stop me from talking about what PlayStation got in store for us. So for the second straight E3, Sony is doing their own thing and not having a showcase at the actual E3 event. They're doing their own state of play event where they're going to announce upcoming games and projects that they've been working on. They also had one of these state of play events a couple weeks ago, but no date yet on when the next one is. I would take a guess and say maybe later on this month or later on this summer where they're going to reveal some more games coming out. But the first game they revealed was a couple weeks ago and that was Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn back in 2017, a game I really, 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 really enjoyed playing. That game doesn't get the credit it deserves. A really underrated game in my opinion. So... I'm glad it's getting a sequel and they revealed some gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West at this event a couple weeks ago, about 15 minutes, give or take, and it looked fantastic. The graphics were clean and crisp. They updated and upgraded, I think her name was Aloy. Yeah, they upgraded her weapons. The fighting mechanics look a lot smoother. And for games like these, that's what you look for in a sequel. How can you update and improve upon things from the first game? Also, they give you a hang glider so I don't have to contemplate falling down a 50-foot cliff wondering, will this fall kill me? Now I can just hang glide down. And from the small sample size I saw, I really liked it. The only bad thing was that they announced that the game release was pushed back until 2022. Like I always say, I really don't mind if a game gets pushed back, yeah, it sucks you gotta wait a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, would you rather have a game released at its original release date but has bugs in it or wait a little longer for a game that's complete and runs well? I'll choose the latter. Another game that should be on the slate for Sony is a new God of War game, God of War Ragnarok. They revealed the title a couple weeks ago. Of course, by the title, was hinting at a fight between Kratos and Thor. If you play the first game, you fought Thor's sons as a boss fight, one of the better boss fights in the game in my opinion. Then, if you got to the secret ending, to do that, all you had to do was go back to your house and go to sleep after you complete the game to unlock your secret ending, or just go on YouTube and look it up. Like I did that first before I beat the game, because I haven't beaten the game by the time I was spoiled about the secret ending 
because I was stuck on this one part in the game for like a year. And I went back and I was like, oh, well, that was easy. I could have beaten this game a long time ago. But anyways, moving on. In this secret ending, while Kratos and his son are sleeping, they hear a lightning strike and it wakes him up. And him and his son go outside and they find a man outside with a hammer. So Thor is out to avenge the death of his sons. As of now, no gameplay yet of this game. All we know that the game is coming out in 2022 as it was recently announced. And the next game I like to see announced on PlayStation is a new Spider-Man game. The first game came out way back in 2018, I think. I really liked the game a lot from the story where like halfway through you was like, oh damn, I was actually helping the villain make his equipment to take over the city down to the side missions and the three DLC packs they had too. Added new game plus and this game has high replay value. And last year, there was a little confusion when the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game was announced. People thought, oh, so this is a sequel. But the confusion was quickly cleared up. The Spider-Man Miles Morales game is a standalone game on its own, but it took place in the same universe as the first Spider-Man game. So whenever they announce this new Spider-Man game, this will be the true sequel. And judging by the events of the first game, it looks like the Green Goblin may be the main villain. And I remember correctly, Harry Osborn was in there in the post credit scene. He was like infected with the symbiote thing that Venom has. So I'm curious to see where that goes in this new game. But this is all we know about this game so far. I think it was announced for a 2021 release date, but that was announced pre-COVID. So more than likely, I would expect a 2022 release date for this game. Also, you know, will we see some possible reboots or remakes on the PlayStation 5? Because over the past few years, we've seen some reboots or remakes of some classic PlayStation games like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. So here are some PlayStation franchises I would like to see get a remake or a reboot on the PS5. First up, Jack and Daxter. The people who made the original Jack and Daxter games are the same people that made Crash Bandicoot, the Uncharted series, and the Last of Us series. So Naughty Dog Studios, they make some high quality games. And the last game from the Jack and Daxter franchise that wasn't a bundle or a remake came out in 2009. So we're due for another game in that series. Next up, I'd like to see a Sly Cooper series reboot. I loved playing the Sly Cooper games growing up. And the last game from that series came out in 2013. And it's one of those rare games where you rely on stealth to complete levels. So a new game of that would be nice. And last but not least, a game I've been wanting another installment for for some years now. I feel like I say this every year about this game series. Twisted Metal. Yes, I think Twisted Metal would thrive in today's video game world, especially with online multiplayer. And of course, you know, you have your other popular card games, Mario Kart and Rocket League. And Twisted Metal is basically Mario Kart minus the shells of banana peels and replace those with guns and rocket launchers. Or you could describe Twisted Metal as Overwatch with cars. Either way, it's a great series and I would love to see it revived. But wrapping things up, so basically that's my E3 preview and predictions. I will try my best to watch as much as I can of this event over the weekend. Hopefully we see some good stuff, some surprises, and see what the future holds for video games. And I'm going to come back next week and give you a full recap. So this past weekend, we saw the start of the second round of the NBA playoffs. We got some pretty interesting matchups in this round. But first, we got to address the elephant in the room. The biggest basketball news over this past weekend involves a team that's no longer in the playoffs. And yes, 
I'm talking about my Los Angeles Lakers. Unfortunately, we was eliminated by the Phoenix Suns last week in six games. Like always, shout out to my guy Jamal when I mentioned the Phoenix Suns. Former guest on the podcast and huge Suns fan. They played great and they deserved the win and they were definitely the better team in that series. But from a Lakers fan perspective... Yeah, it sucks being sent home early. We've been title contenders all year long, and title contenders don't get bounced in the first round. But social media was loving it. It comes to a point in time where everybody's favorite team is going to get trashed on Twitter. And when it comes to the Lakers, the most recognizable franchise in the NBA, and probably in all sports, and you got LeBron James, just from the basketball perspective, the most divisive player in NBA history, arguably, you put those two together at a playoff loss and a way they lost, Oh yeah, Twitter was on one that night. But there's only one person to blame for this Lakers early playoff exit. We all know who it is. It's Drake's fault. He was at game six and we lost. Another reason to believe that the Drake curse is real. Once I saw he was at the game, I was like, yup, might as well pack our bags tonight. We going home. But all jokes aside, (laughs) game six was a tough watch. When you got Devin Booker making shots from Rancho Cucamonga. And yes, that is a real place in California, not just made up for that one Friday in the movie. Like, if Booker was hitting shots from Dame Willard, Steph Curry range, there's really nothing you could do about it, you know? He hit one shot over KCP from like 30 feet. I was like, oh, that's not going in. Swish. Then the next possession, 28-footer over Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis goes about 6'10", full extension on that shocking test. I was like, oh, Devin Booker is definitely hitting the front rim on this shot. Swish. And when a loss is catastrophic as this, the blame has to go somewhere. I'm not going to be that guy that's like, oh, it's all LeBron's fault. Blame him. No. But I did not like that one game. I think it was game five when LeBron walked off the court. To me, wasn't a good look. I'm like, hey, man, you know, if they can stay on the bench when you blow them out by 30, you can stay on the bench when you're getting blown out by 30. That's just the way it is, man, you know? Yeah, so it wasn't a bad look in my opinion. And I'm not going to be that guy that's going to blame his teammates. You know, say, oh, well, LeBron did his part. All his teammates sucked that game. This loss goes on the whole entire team. I did not like the energy we came out with in that game six. They looked lifeless and lackadaisical out there. And that was already bad in itself. And AD went out and it all started going downhill even more after that, if that's possible. In my opinion, I was indifferent on the whole should AD play debate. Like, no one knows your body more than yourself. You know, if he thought he could play, he went out and played. Mentally, he felt like he could, but his body said otherwise. I can't lie. Like two minutes in the game, I saw him moving around. I was okay. He looks good out there, but he wasn't doing anything strenuous, so to say. But when he drove the ball to the basket and he was walking gingerly after that, I was like, oh yeah, he's in health. He's about to get out. Then he played a couple more minutes. Then he was taken out because I think he said he re-aggravated his groin strain from a couple games ago. And after that, the sky fell on us. I remember we got a switch out with... Uh, not Pau Gasol, what's his damn brother's name? Mark Gasol had Devin Booker guarding him. I was like, oh, this is definitely barbecue chicken time. Anytime you get a point guard switched to the center and the pain at that, like teams on offense will be salivating at that opportunity. But ended up in the turnover. Then Montrez Harold missed a point blank shot where the ball was like halfway in and it rimmed out. I was like, yeah, it's going to be one of those nights I see. But like I said, this blame goes on the whole entire team from the coaching staff to LeBron to Anthony Davis. Hell, even all the way down the bench to Jared Dudley. Everybody gets it. 
There were some times where I thought LeBron could have been, you know, just a little more assertive in some of the games, mainly game one where AD wasn't having it and game four and six where AD left early because of injury. You know, your running mate is out or isn't, you know, off to the best start. You know, it's time for you to put your stamp on the game, you know, drive down the lane to the hoop a little more often, you know, stop taking as many threes, especially if you ain't hit the first two or three. To me, when LeBron drives to the hoop like a freight train, that is when he's at his best. But, you know, you try to get his teammates involved. That's usually LeBron's game. And in that situation, you know, your teammates got to step up when their name is called upon, you know, the whole next man up moniker. Because when AD was down, you know, that's more shot attempts and more opportunities to go to the, you know, the, your Kyle Kuzma's, your Casey, not your, your KCP's, your Dennis Schroeder's, Alex Caruso's. And the list goes on and on. But they didn't step up when their name was called up. Also, do I wish AD is a little more durable? Yes, because we all know a healthy AD is a top 10 player. So hopefully... With this full offseason, he get time to rest, maybe switch things up in his offseason training regimen, and he'll come back as the AD we all know, a top 10 player. You know, so no mountain climbing, no hiking over this offseason because after visiting California recently a few times, I can see why they got all them damn mudslides. Like when you're driving down the freeway, literally two steps off the freeway, a damn mountain starts. But anyways, moving on. So where do the Lakers go from here? Well, of course, you know, the NBA season is not over with yet. But I assume every Laker not named LeBron James or Anthony Davis, their future will be in limbo this offseason because I looked at the contract on the team. And there are six players currently under contract for next season, not counting players with a player option. And the player option is basically like the player can opt in and play their final year of that contract. Or opt out and go into free agency. And the only player with a player option for next year is Montrez Harrell. I personally would like to see him back on the team next season. That was like the free agent. I was like, wow, we got him? Yeah, that was the free agent I was most excited about being a Laker for this upcoming season. And I wonder why like Vogel didn't play him that much in this series. You know, he provides energy off the bench, which every team needs, especially in the playoffs. And some folks are like, man, we need to get Frank Vogel out of there. It's like, come on, y'all. Like, y'all want to fire a man? The season after winning the title and they made a playoff the next season like you know they played a good portion of that season without his best players and they're still remain one of the best defensive teams in the nba the past two years with frank vogel at the helm but some additions i like to see this offseason from the wickers was the same thing i wanted last offseason shooting and big men but i'm not gonna dive into roster moves and all that stuff at this time maybe at another time when the season is over with and when free agency is approaching but let's get into the second round playoff matchups starting off in the west we have the suns versus the nuggets the suns beat the lakers in round one in six games like you know and the nuggets beat the trailblazers in six games as well and after the blazers lost the team parted ways with their head coach so everyone is wondering will the blazers blow things up and start fresh over for next season so don't be surprised if you hear dame willard's name in trade talks during the offseason and on the nuggets side congrats to Jokic for winning the mvp he had one of the best seasons of league history for the center position one of my favorite players personally in the nba and the first pick of my fancy basketball team for the past three years and he became the first player in nuggets history to win the mvp award but the suns are down or the suns are up 1-0 in the series and game two is tonight recorded on a wednesday so by the time you hear this the suns will be up 2-0 or the series will be tied but my game one takeaways only saw the first quarter of game one because you know west coast games they come my way tonight so i can't watch it in its entirety but from the stats i saw of the game it was close in the first half then the suns started to pull away in the second half and the suns had four starters 
that scored 20 points in that game. I don't think I've never seen that in the game before. But yeah, the Suns look serious. So we got to see what the MVP Jokic and the Nuggets bounce back in game two and shift into the other series in the West, the Jazz versus the Clippers. The Jazz beat the Grizzlies in five games and the Clippers beat the Mavericks in a very entertaining series going to seven games. Luka and Kawhi both put on a show. Kawhi was definitely in his bag that entire series, putting up 32 points per game, shooting 62% from the field, 43% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. If they say Kawhi, Kawhi, you just tell them that it's human nature. Moving on to game one of this series, the Jazz won. They lead the series 1-0. I didn't watch the game because, you know, West Coast games, but I did look at the stats from this game. And from what I saw, both teams basically matched each other in almost every single stat. Each team had a double-digit lead at one point in the game. And my two takeaways from this game, first, the wild ending to game one, Rudy Gobert blocked a tying three-point attempt at the buzzard to win a game for the Jazz. Other takeaway was Donovan Mitchell's performance, put up 45 points on 53% shooting from the field that night. Probably the most underrated player in the league. Dan Willard had that title for the past few seasons, but we all know who he is by now. But the key to me in this series is definitely going to be the role players from each team. On the Clippers side, Kawhi and Paul George put up 23 and 20 points respectively. And of course, Mitchell had his 45. He had one player from the Clippers not named Paul George or Kawhi that put up 18 points on the Jazz side. They had two players that put up 18 points. And this is definitely the best matchup in the second round to me. And I wouldn't be surprised if this series goes six or seven games. And game two of that series will be Thursday night. And moving on to the East, you have the Sixers versus the Hawks. The Sixers beat the Wizards in the five-game series, and the Hawks beat the Knicks in a five-game series, which was fairly entertaining. But as of now, the series is tied 1-1 after two games. Game one, the Hawks won. And those last three minutes of that game was probably the wildest I've seen in a minute because the Hawks were ahead like 15, 20 points at that time. And usually when a team is down 20 points with about three minutes left, they normally pack it in and get ready for the next game. But the Sixers started to come back, even got it down to a one possession game at one point in time. But the Hawks held on for the win. And I just want to say something <laughs> about game one toward the end of the almost Sixers comeback, they got down to like four points and Ben Simmons got fouled, so he got put on the free throw line. No chance to make it a one possession game. And Ben Simmons is a great player. And I'm not saying he's afraid of the free throw line, but it looked like he saw a damn ghost by the facial expression he was making. But continuing on with game one, for the first 45 minutes, the Hawks played perfectly from what I saw. And if they keep playing like that, this will be a good series. But moving on to game two, game two was nip and tuck for a good little while. The Sixers jumped out to a big lead, and the Hawks battled back from that lead to make it like a one-possession game at halftime. Then late third quarter, early fourth quarter, the Sixers started to pull away and ended the game with a double-digit win. So they head to Atlanta for the next two games, and game three of that series will be Friday and shift into the other series in the East. We have the Bucks versus the Nets. The Nets are up 2-0 at the moment. Game one, the big storyline of that game with James Harden injury that happened like within the first minute of the game. I remember cutting the TV on, and I saw James Harden walk to the locker room, and I was like, hold up, what the hell going on here? And at that point, I was like, okay, it's an even playing field now, so maybe, just maybe, the Bucks can steal game one. But who knew that Blake Griffin would turn back the hands of time? He put up 18 points and 14 rebounds and played great that game. Even diving for loose balls and everything, I was like, hold up, when the hell Blake Griffin started diving for loose balls? 
he is desperate to get that title. Then they announced that James Harden would miss game two for that hamstring injury. And I was like, okay, maybe the Bucks can regroup after that game one loss and come out with a different game plan. Then game two happened. Game two was a blowout. At one point in time, the Nets were up by 50. I was like, how do you get down by 50 points in the playoffs? You know, I watched the first half of the game and the Nets were up by like 25 points. So I stopped watching it, started watching something else. Then when I checked back into this game, by the end of like the third quarter, I was like, damn, they down by 40 now. So from what I see, the Bucks are at rock bottom now. And when you're at rock bottom, you can't go nowhere but up. So we will see if the Bucks can bounce back with the next two games at home. They got to win at least one of these games to have a damn chance against the Nets. And game three of this series will be Thursday. And so far, the second round of the NBA playoffs have been very interesting. And I cannot wait to see how things will play out in this round. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, subscribes, and any other way you support the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Like I always say, I will not be here without you, the listener, and I thank you for that. So take care, be safe, and I will see y'all next time.